Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Rebel Daily on this, a Tuesday, January 10th, 2023. I'm David Menzies, and my co-host, well, let me tell you a little bit about my co-host. Do you know what, folks? Today is National Houseplant Appreciation Day. I don't know if she has any houseplants, but she's got a great plant-related goodbye saying, which goes like this. As the farmer said to the potato, I'm going to plant you now but I'm going to dig you later. She is the she-devil with a spatula. She is, well, who is she? She is Tamara Ugolini. That's who. They're changing co-hosts on me. It's usually Sheila Gunn-Reed. How you doing there, Tamara? Hey, David. I'm well, thanks. You know, I was actually contemplating today putting my abundance of houseplants in the backdrop for some <laughs> some more depth in my picture, but, you know, I just didn't get around to rearranging them. And they're finicky like this, some of these houseplants. They don't like to be moved around. If you if you start moving them and changing their sun direction, they get really mad and, and end up really? dying. So are, are houseplants kind of like the fictional Triffids? They're actually, <laughs> you know, sentient beings. Do, do, do you believe in that? Do you talk to them? Do you sing to them, Tamara Ugolini? Well, no, we don't go that far to talk to them and sing to them. I do give them the occasional dusting because they can be dust collectors. Um, but, I, you know, it's funny that I did find certain plants actually grew and bloomed more fruitfully when they were together. So when they're oh. separate... They don't do as well, but when you put them all together anyway, this is trials and tribulations of being a houseplant in my house because for many years they just died. Um, But if you put them together, they're more likely to live. So imagine that. Well, I like to uh, support the fossil fuel industry, which is why I buy plastic flowers. They need no <laughs> care. They need no talking to. They need no um, position in front of the sun or what have you. Uh Yes, once again, the fossil fuel industry comes through for David Menzies. But to, uh, enough about houseplants, uh, Tamara, where there's so much to talk about. Uh, it's usually around now that Sheila Gunn-Reed uh, gives the ground rules of what we're trying to do here. Yeah, well, and as many of you may know at home, we've sort of reinvigorated the daily live stream and now it's the daily roundup. Um, and so we're switching the time slot to be now from 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern. And you can, of course, join us on various platforms, uh, YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, or Getter. And depending on which platform you join us from, you can engage with our show and with us directly through Super Chats um, or certain certain chats. And if you provide a small monetary donation, which we really appreciate because it helps to fund our journalism and keep the lights on and our equipment working and, and going, then we'll read your comment on screen. And of course, if we have any sort of commentary to provide or if you ask us a question, it's a nice way too that we can get a feel for who our viewers are, um, what you would like to see more or maybe even less of and any any issues plaguing the day that you see of importance. So today we have a few different topics to get through and these are sort of topics that we like to dissect on a daily um, basis, just things that we may not otherwise get to in passing that happen that are newsworthy. So um, first and foremost, we have a, a clip to share with you that looks at Justin Trudeau then versus now in regards to his militant military support with the purchasing of some uh, some some fighter jets. Yes. New liberal government won't buy the overpriced F-35 stealth fighter jet. It's 
A stealth fighter that will cost tens of billions more than what Harper promised. A stealth fighter that can't defend our Arctic. A stealth fighter that's not actually stealth. And until yesterday, a fighter jet that Stephen Harper's own government put on hold for those same reasons. Well, this is now the fighter jet that Stephen Harper wants to buy no matter what, no matter what it costs. That F-35 might be Stephen Harper's dream, but I can tell you, for Canadian taxpayers, it'll be a nightmare. Yeah, so as the saying goes, Tamara, uh, that was then, this is now, so all of these criticisms regarding the F-35. By the way, you would think Justin Trudeau would not support anything that begins with the uppercase letter F because for the last two years, the natural thing that has followed that is not a numeral like 35, but his surname, Trudeau. And you think he, as well as um, <coughs> yesterday's man, Aaron O'Toole, would be somewhat triggered by that. But what is amazing is that he laid it out all the reasons why the F-35 was ostensibly a lemon of a fighter jet um, some seven years ago. And suddenly now, uh, oh, it's the bee's knees. Well, it's the same fighter jet, although it's funny he was talking about how overpriced. That's the word he used. Well, guess what, folks? The price went up over seven years, just like everything. Well, not everything. You know what, Tamara? We'll have to delve into this. I have found that the price of bananas has remained constant for the last two decades. I don't know why, but it just has. But I can tell you everything else, everything from fuel to fighter jets, the price has gone up. So, Tamara, as far as I can tell, the only thing that's different is that Trudeau, as opposed to Harper, is now the prime minister. And his military minions has done their due diligence. And they went back to him and said, hey, Both, you'll never believe it. The best jet that we should buy is the F-35. Holy hypocrisy, Tamara. What do you make of this? Yeah, holy hypocrisy. But also, I wanted to mention here that Trudeau, seven years ago, seemed to care and have some semblance and sense of fiscal responsibility. He you know, alludes to the fact that he actually cared about where Canadians' taxpayer dollars were going toward. And now we've seen as his reign continues over the country, his con repeated uh, disregard for ethics and any sort of monetary policy or fiscal policy, you know, the balance, the budget will balance itself in his own words. Um, and now to just see once again the hypocrisy of this government and the Justin Trudeau Liberals kowtowing to whatever the flavor of the day is. And it really makes me wonder too, at this point in our Canadian history, Will these fighter jets just end up in the hands of Zelensky in the Ukraine? You know what? That's a great point. And speaking of the Ukraine, the Ukraine as well as several other nations, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau has been on this um, international tour where he is literally giving away hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of taxpayers to any kind of virtue signaling cause he supports. And, you know, it's funny, uh, Tamara, it's interesting to see when the Justin Trudeau liberals are concerned about um, fiscal matters. And I think the, the most outrageous example is going back to 2016. He was just one year into his mandate. 
and they cut a check for Canada's homegrown al-Qaeda terrorist, Omar, um, you know, I almost said the last name of the transport minister. I'm glad I caught myself that. No, another Omar. Omar Cotter uh, mm. making him a Lotto Max uh, jackpot winner overnight, $10.5 million. And what is so egregious about that is that they said at the time is that if we fought his lawyers in court, the legal bill could go well over $20 million. Oh, suddenly... The Justin Trudeau liberals, when it comes to a Al-Qaeda terrorist, they become fiscal conservatives on that file, and they cut a check to somebody who killed uh, an, uh, an ally of ours and partially blinded another one. And uh, the same with um, w- with this scheme with the Jets. But it, if you crunch the numbers, it would have made far more fiscal sense to purchase these years ago when they were cheaper, Tamara. Yeah, and I mean, who would have thought? (laughs) It's just more indication of the mismanagement that this government continues to prove itself just completely inept of of any sort of respect for our tax, hard-earned taxpayer dollars. I mean, they squander away money on lavish vacations and hotel rooms and food on their private jets. So. Of course, Justin Trudeau is now going ahead and making this purchase because anything that Harper did or said just naturally when it came from Harper's mouth, it was wrong and could never be in the right or or have any um, fiscal. he, He couldn't have done any good in his policy because Justin Trudeau basically just campaigned on denouncing everything that Harper did and his hypocritical policies, which apparently, like I already mentioned, favored the taxpayers seven years ago and cared about where their money was going, is now just being squandered away foolishly as we face record deficit, record inflation, and not really a peep out of the liberals in terms of how they plan to squash this or counteract it. it's 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 a, I'm lost for words, really, that we're still facing the same old, same old in Canada under the liberals who care more about virtue signaling yep. than actually helping Canadians on the ground and squandering away more of our money to other countries when we have populations who are truly, really suffering here at home. And, you know, Tamara, I will add one other point to what you just said, and I agree with everything you just said, by the way, but... Not only is this disrespectful for taxpayers, but it's maybe even worse, actually, is that this has been disrespectful for the men and women in the Royal Canadian Air Force who are flying CF-18s, many of which date back to 1981. This is an aged fleet of jet fighters. Um, I mean, Tamara, I'd have qualms about getting into a car built in 1981, uh, much less a fighter jet. Um, And but of course, we know how Justin Trudeau feels about the military. We know how Justin Trudeau feels about the veterans. They're asking for too much. Apparently, that applies to uh, new aircraft that might not uh, fall out of the sky unexpectedly. So. I have real problems with that, too. This is beyond uh, respect for taxpayers. This is, when you look at the big picture, a matter of life and death. Mm -hmm. Well, and as 
global conflict sort of the tensions build there um it really makes me wonder what's going on behind the scenes here that we now all of a sudden do need to solidify the the purchase of these fighter jets and will they remain in canada you know as i mentioned before is this just a way to push equipment and gear into ukraine we've already been doing that for the last several months um, arguably a year now and giving them funding 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 equipment 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 and it's totaling billions of dollars so are these fighter jets here to actually protect and serve the interests of canadians or are we meddling in some sort of foreign interest war waging game oh a hundred percent tamara i mean it's one thing to give money it's one thing to supply arms but the one thing i don't want to see happen and I don't know about you, but I, I think I can guess your answer. I don't want to see Canadian boots on the ground in that neck of the, the world. I don't want to see us getting involved in that particular war. There's too many question marks. You have um, several young children. If they were of military serving age, would you want them to go overseas to uh, Russia and Ukraine to fight this war? Yeah, I mean, I think that's every parent's worst nightmare and every Canadian's worst nightmare, too. I mean, we've created generations who have just been coddled and snowflaked. And to even contemplate seeing the generation of young people and specifically males, if I can assume all of their genders, um, now to even contemplate heading out to to resist um, foreign interference into your country's national sovereignty or whatever the thought of sending the generation of young adolescents that we have in Canada to do something like that or undertake a task like that is terrifying. It, it truly is not the generations that we uh, traditionally had when foreign and global conflicts arose in the past. So that in and of itself is a huge area for me where I sit back and I go, whoa, I don't even think we would have the capacity or capability to partake in a conflict of that nature. And I would really hope that it that would not be our reality. I think that we've already meddled enough. And, um, you know, a, apart from getting too deep into the weeds and the nitty gritty here, I think that Canadian, Canada really needs to take a step back and reevaluate what's going on here at home in our country before we continue meddling in the interests and affairs of others. You know what, uh, Tamara, you raise a very interesting point with what you just said, uh, especially when you go into the wacky world of uh, college and university campuses here in Canada. I mean, can you imagine the dichotomy? When we go back to, say, the Second World War, you had um, teenagers lying about their age to enlist, to go over to Europe and fight, put their lives on the line. Compare that sensibility, compare that spirit and that devotion of duty to what we have on campus where if somebody misgenders you or uses the wrong pronoun, you have to go to the quiet room and speak to a guidance <laughs> counselor. <laughs> Yikes. I mean, are we, are we doomed if there is another global conflict in the, uh, in the waiting, Tamara? It's exactly, that's exactly it. I, I would, I would be inclined to think so. I don't, I don't even want to think about it because it really, oh, it, uh, it really alarms me what that would even look like at this point with our, the state of our nation and, and generations. 
Um, but nonetheless, I think we should move on here to yep. another clip that we have of Trudeau's bestie. And I think he even attended his wedding. So you can, this, they go, they go way back. Trudeau oh, yeah. and, and Gerald Butts. And he claims uh, Canada is becoming a dicier prospect for investment because of the Freedom Convoy. Let's check out his remarks. <laughs> Last year's trucker convoy was only the most visible symptom of a Canadian society becoming increasingly <clears throat> polarized. Now, Eurasia Group, a New York-based consultancy, is warning its clients that the forces that spawn the protests are likely to continue and intensify in Canada in 2023. And who are Eurasia's clients? Well, some of the world's biggest pension funds and other institutional investors who need to manage risk. It is worth watching because from an investor's perspective, if it's very difficult to tackle big issues like climate change because of uh, a deepening and widening moat between, roughly speaking, progressives and conservatives in, in the country, then it's a, more, it's a dicier prospect for investment. The risks to global peace and security are almost self-evident. Russia's war in Ukraine, an aggressive China, and a defensive Iran that may feel backed into a corner. Meanwhile, the world's citizens are also grappling with inflation and could be dealing with a possible energy crunch and what Eurasia Group calls global water stress. Eurasia Group's Gerald Butts, the former principal secretary to Prime Minister Trudeau, explains. We see highly, heavily densely populated areas, not just in the places where we Westerners would normally consign those problems to in coastal East Africa, for instance, equatorial Asia. But you look at what's happening in the Western United States and indeed in Western Canada, we've had a mega drought of un historically unprecedented proportions. Canada. Oh, was that rich or what, uh, Tamara Ugolini? I mean, by the way, was the interviewer uh, David Aiken on that piece? Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, I think <clears throat> it was. Who falsely reported last December that I was being arrested by the RCMP, therefore I deserve to be beaten up. Um, you know, boy, is he ever earning his Trudeau salary uh, with the government-funded uh, bailout. And now you have uh, such a softball interview with uh, Justin Trudeau's <laughs> best friend, Cheryl Butts. But, I mean, yeah, I can see why uh, investors would be wary of Canada, not for any of the reasons uh, Gerald Butts would say, but I would say, you know what, uh, I'm kind of concerned that you have a federal government that will shut down a GoFundMe campaign. I'm kind of concerned that you have a federal government that would freeze the bank accounts of law-abiding Canadians. I'm kind of concerned you'd have a federal government that has a country with untold trillions of dollars of oil wealth underground, but you keep canceling and shutting down uh, uh, pipeline uh, projects. Uh, yeah, Canada is turning into a dead dog with fleas here, but it's not because of the Freedom Convoy. That was a force to set Canada right. These were people standing up for democracy, for freedom, for, uh, for an end uh, to COVID apartheid. And Gerald Butts has the gall to blame them. And of course, climate change, uh, you know, that, that never gets stale. Um, Tamara, <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts? 
Yeah, and this and this looming, alluding to this looming water crisis too, and a water shortage. I mean, <clears throat> here in Canada, we have vast arrays of natural resources, including um, being almost entirely surrounded by ocean and and Great Lakes, um, especially here in Ontario. And I, I also wonder why people are still paying attention to Gerald Butts. You know, why is he still relevant here? Why does he have um, a, a space in the mainstream media who will amplify his his alarmist views that are really um, out of touch and outdated with the on the ground state of affairs in Canada? I mean, the truckers were sounding an alarm on the economic economic devastation that the Trudeau liberal policies were having on the trade throughout uh, between the countries, between Canada and the U.S., because their vaccine passport program was going to see countless truckers out of a job and out of their ability to yeah. cross the border and continue in that cross-border trade. So to, to say that um, this shying away of investment is because of the truckers instead of because of the liberals failed and really senseless um, unscientific policy is, um, as you said earlier, is very rich of Gerald Butts, someone who, in my opinion, has no relevance and uh, should not be being amplified by what they would refer to as a mainstream media journalist. Yeah, and Tamara, I'm getting really sick and tired of the ignorance out there, uh, or maybe it's just feigned ignorance, in terms of conflating weather events, especially severe weather events and climate. You saw that image of a dried out river and all those fish that were dead. Uh, like that's never happened before. I mean, we're in a planet where we've had, what, five mass extinctions uh, defined by more than 60% of the species uh, died overnight. Uh, and all of them occurred before Homo sapiens uh, was around. By the way, can we still call it Homo sapiens? Is, has that been uh, reclassified or <laughs> is there a different orientation for our species? I, it's hard to keep up with these events. But in any event, um, just like last May uh, in the GT area where we had these incredible windstorms uh, one Saturday afternoon, uh, it was brief but brutal and some old trees fell down. Um, the usual suspects running around going, see, climate change is real. Like never before, like a thousand, ten thousand, a million years ago, there were severe uh, wind events. I mean, give me a break, Tamara. Yeah, I mean, if a tree falls in the woods and no one's there to hear it, <laughs> is it because of climate change or does that just naturally happen sometimes? <laughs> it's unbelievable. Anyway, but before we move on, to... I, I think we're due for our first ad break. So... Uh, Let's roll that and we'll get back. Oh, um, this is a good one. I mentioned this earlier, the F. Trudeau and the Aaron O'Toole fallout. Are you liking the banter on our live stream that you're watching right now? If so, you should know that you can get exclusive Rebel News content by going to rebelnewsplus.com. You'll get special shows from my colleague Sheila Gunn-Reed, Ezra Levant, as well as the Menzoid Menzies, and you'll also get 
to view our exclusive documentaries, including the one that tells you the truth of what was actually discovered, at least what is known to be discovered so far at the Kamloops Indian Residential School. Take a look at the trailer. Well, the remains of 215 children have been found in a mass grave in Canada. Many of you know that just over a year ago, the discovery of the remains of 215 children was found at the Kamloops Indian Residential School at the Tecumlupshiswemek First Nation. But what if I were to show you that what I just said wasn't true, and that in fact, a year later, not a single body has been found? This mass grave is a painful reminder of the genocide. Canada's leaders aren't condemning the burning of churches. No, they're endorsing the burning of churches. A juvenile rib bone that surfaced in the same area. You'd be surprised the number of people who say, you know, I'm a doctor, I'm a paramedic. This is definitely a human bone, and it's hmm. definitely not. Is Geez, just in case Aaron O'Toole was watching, I hope he didn't see that demonstrator lifting up the sign that said F Canada Day, because we know how sensitive yesterday's man is uh, to the letter F, especially when it's used in conjunction with um, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. And maybe Aaron O'Toole's getting confused uh, just who his party's leader is. I don't know. But before we get into that, why don't we show some uh, video, Tamara, which uh, indicates that even after denouncing those F Trudeau flags, poor old Aaron O'Toole still gets roasted by the uh, liberal-funded media. Ooh, what a shocker. I guess it was a welcome contribution, maybe coming late in the game because I did follow. It's my job. Uh, Aaron O'Toole's social media feed, which he probably wasn't... Uh, handling when he was leader yeah. and it was all about how justin trudeau was responsible for everything that was wrong on the planet now if you if that's your message you shouldn't be too surprised about uh, flags that go uh, way over the line i think the part of his message to the conservatives because he did admit that it was mostly conservatives mm -hmm. who were indulging in this kind of hate uh, approach to politics I think the message to current conservatives is that if you cater to people who are in that register, you're probably going to turn off people who used to vote liberal and might consider you as an option and will not on that basis. I. Wow, what a panel. Um, to think <laughs> right? that our money <laughs> is paying for that 100%. Uh, but there's good old Chantel Hebert um, denouncing uh, the hate that was uh, spread. Um, but you know what? Uh, who cares what she has to say? Uh, Tamara, where, what that was in conjunction with is that I, I think it was on New Year's Day, um, Aaron O'Toole put out a, uh, an essay and then he tweeted about it that the one thing he's hopeful for in 2023 is that he won't see any more of those F Trudeau flags. What a lying loser who continues to lie and lose this Aaron O'Toole is. He has learned nothing of the lessons given to him about why he is the former as opposed to current leader of the Conservative Party of Canada. He is a disgrace to Conservatives. Um, why are you going to bat 
for Justin Trudeau. Why aren't you examining the cause and effect issues here, um, Mr. O'Toole, when it comes to why mm. people are abbreviating a profane word in conjunction with Trudeau's name? The fact that people lost their jobs, people lost their businesses, uh, people were suspended without pay f because they didn't take an experimental jab. Why are, do you not realize that? Because I know you're really comfortable in Durham region. Uh, you've not suffered one bit, well, aside from being ousted, thank God, as the leader of the Conservative Party. But why didn't you at least get off your fat ricotta cheese candy ass and go down and speak to those demonstrators last February on Parliament Hill and see why they were so upset and see why they were brandishing F. Trudeau flags? I think then maybe you'd have a little more empathy for them as opposed to the supposed hurt feelings of Prime Minister uh, Blackface McGroper. <laughs> Well, that was a loaded statement, David. And imagine being just this shell of an opposition leader that your your most prized wish for the full year ahead after the last two plus years we've experienced as Canadians, your only wish is to see less F Trudeau flags by the Canadian public <laughs> while completely ignoring why those F Trudeau flags exist in the first place, right? There's no one There's no one there, especially on this panel of very diverse thoughts that we just saw from the mainstreamists at CBC. Um, <clears throat> no one there is asking the question, well, why are they saying F Trudeau? What is it that they don't agree with about the way that Trudeau is handling the country or instituting various policies and this nanny state, that this um, health regime that we're constantly bombarded by and currently living under the thumb of? No talk about any of that, any of the criticisms or what could, how to kind of correct the course and maybe start to to get the support of Canadians again, or if they ever even arguably ever even had it. But regardless, no talk there about why the flags exist in the first place, what the qualms are, what the criticisms are, how to correct course here, get Canadians back unified and, and supporting some form of a political party because, I mean, so many Canadians from what I see are just feeling so politically homeless currently. No, instead, they just want to see less of it. And of course, we're probably going to end up seeing less of it into 2023 because we have mass censorship being pushed through by the same government that just can't handle any sort of critique or criticism without proroguing parliament, putting their tail between their legs and running into hiding if at the, at the first peak of a protest ascending into the nation's capital. It's disgusting. And it, it, it's, it, it, I can't believe that these people are voted in as leaders to lead any form of anything when they are just a sh this shell of a person who will acquiesce and cave to whatever the flavor of the day is instead of upholding principle and morals. Oh, 100%, Tamara. I mean, Bill C-11, which is Justin Trudeau's attempt to censor the internet and uh, for our own protection, uh, mind you. Now, that would have been an essay for Aaron O'Toole to pen uh, on New Year's Day and for something to tweet. Uh, but no, and, you know, unless we forget the ultimate betrayal of Aaron O'Toole, we go back to the 2021 federal election, Tamara, and if you recall... 
Justin Trudeau, and you know, I call him as I see him. He had two very bad weeks on the uh, with the opening of the campaign, and Aaron O'Toole had two superb weeks. Like I said, I call him as I see him, like the umpire behind home plate. Uh, he was even getting praise from the media. There was chatter, oh, regime change might indeed be in the air. And then what happened? He started um, acting uh, like uh, that um, pop culture marine mammal, you know, Flipper the dolphin. He kept flip-flopping. Uh, suddenly, he was pro-gun grab. Suddenly, he was pro-vaccine mandate. Suddenly, he was pro-carbon taxes. And, I, you know, it's inexplicable, Tamara, given how well he was doing in that first two weeks and how poorly Justin Trudeau was doing in that, in that first two weeks. And... We can never read a mind, and you can't trust Aaron O'Toole, to be honest. He is definitely not that. So I can only speculate that since he got that early jump, maybe he or his puppet masters behind the scenes said, okay, we're doing great, conservatives are with us. If now we can reach out to liberal-minded Canadians and make promises to them, we got this in the bag instead it fell out of the bag. Conservatives en masse stayed at home. And you saw what happened. And, you know, again, for this guy to weigh in on his first tweet and essay of the new year, to be a Justin Trudeau apologist, it is as inexplicable as what he did in that 2021 election. I mean, really, Aaron, you're, you're really that concerned? I mean, I don't use profanity. I, I get that. But I totally understand why people are waving those flags. And I would never in a million years, Tamara, condemn anyone waving that flag. You know, I wonder, Tamara, does um, Aaron O'Toole and his family, when they go to the shopping mall, do they visit the store um, uh, French Connection United Kingdom, which is uh, abbreviated F-C-U-K? I got to be very careful <laughs> announcing that abbreviation. Or is that too... Is, is, is that you know, too triggering for the O'Toole clan too? Do they want the mall to shut down those stores? Give me a break. Yeah, well, and especially to, to just sit on your high horse and clutch your pearls over a few <laughs> yes. profanities while ignoring the elephant in the room, which again is why Canadians are so fed up exactly. and disgruntled with the current leadership and governance in this country. And Trudeau said it himself, uh, maybe we, we have a clip where we can pull it up, you know, that he has never seen such vitriol spewed toward a government leader um, in Canadian history. And I mean, based on my relatively short life, and maybe you can chime in here being much more involved in the political sphere for longer, David, that this is unprecedented, really, this this hatred toward a political leader um, really is unprecedented. And we can't ignore it. We have to, you know, we have to address why Canadians are feeling so disgruntled toward um, Justin Trudeau and his liberal government and, and figure it out. Because if this is unprecedented, well, maybe it's time to take a look in the mirror and stop deflecting and blaming Canadians for your crappy policy and running of the country. You know what, Tamara, I would challenge you there with the word unprecedented, uh, maybe because I'm a little older, but uh, I remember 
another prime minister receiving this kind of vitriol. And, uh, oh, what a coincidence. Same surname. That would be Pierre Elliott Trudeau. Uh, there's an infamous cross-country train trip uh, Pierre Trudeau t uh, t undertook. I think it was in the Sudbury area where his um, train car was deluged with rocks. I'm not advocating that against anyone. I don't like any kind of violence. But believe me, uh, Tamara, uh, certain people in certain regions of this country, going back to the 1970s, were absolutely livid uh, with this prime minister. And, you know, I guess the, um, is it the apple or the acorn doesn't fall far from the tree? <laughs> yeah, um, the apple. You know, with uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau wanting to censor the internet, I remember a very infamous day here in Toronto where Pierre Elliott Trudeau sent in his RCMP goon squad to raid the offices of the Toronto Sun, which back then was on uh, King Street East, um, because he wanted to try to find what sources, what documents uh, were being leaked uh, that were, I, I can't even remember what the issue was. There was, much like um, uh, Justin, there were so many scandals under Pierre Elliott Trudeau. I don't think quite as many uh, as Justin has. But imagine that, Tamara, sending your goon squad in to a newspaper to raid it, to take out boxes of documents, to go on a fishing expedition about who the sources were for the information. Well, like, like I said, Trudeau was thinking, this Trudeau, Justin, he's thinking way, way bigger. There was no internet back then. I'm sure Pierre would have done the same uh, with a C11 uh, bill uh, of his own rendering. But I think that's where we're going right now. Um, it, it's, you know, you cannot have a dissenting opinion. Uh, and if you do, well, guess what? You're going to be shut down. All under the guise of having a well-functioning democracy, right? We have to squash dissent because it threatens our democracy. What an yeah. oxymoron, bizarro world that we're living under. So we're going to go to one other ad break before we come back, and we're going to discuss more liberal policies plaguing the nation in terms of medical assistance and dying. So stay tuned. My mug? I know. It's pretty cool. So is this hoodie I got on, and you could have it on too if you check out our special website at rebelnewsstore.com. That's where you can see Freedom Focus hoodies that we have for you, beanies, cell phone cases, you name it, all while supporting our journalism where we fight to bring you the other side of the story as opposed to, you know, being forced by the Trudeau government to fund leftist media out of your taxes. The truth is... Without you and your generosity, there is no Rebel News. So again, if you like the reports that we bring you and that we also fight for freedoms in Canada, please consider doing some shopping, picking up some swag at rebelnewsstore.com. We appreciate your support. Well, and... Well, uh Tamara, I see by the headline here, you alluded to it before the ad break uh, regarding medically assisted suicide. Uh, tell me if I'm seeing things. Canadian doctor proudly shares that she's euthanized 400 people. I mean, uh, you know, call me an old fashioned square, but I, I thought uh, part of the Hippocratic Oath, if you're a doctor, it means to literally do no harm. Uh, th this seems to be the precise opposite of that. What's the story here, Tamara? Yeah, well, this doctor, I guess, is is doing 
what she thinks is God's work. Um, she, <laughs> she's very proud of the work that she's doing to essentially um, offer state-sanctioned euthanasia to people struggling primarily with homelessness or the risk thereof. And it, it actually features two doctors, this article. So under the picture, if you just scroll down a little bit, um, Dying with Dignity Canada, Ellen Weeb. I believe is the pronunciation, and Stephanie Green reportedly euthanized more than 700 people between the two of them. And then I wanted to reference this stat to just if you scroll down the second paragraph after the their two their photos there, it says in 2021 only 486 people died using California's assisted suicide program. So Californians, but that same year, so in 2021 in Canada, 10,000 and 64 people died using MAID last year. Like this is exponentially more than what you see <clears throat> in a state, you know, a progressive state such as California. And it says MAID has now grown so popular that Canada has both anti-suicide hotlines to try to stop people from killing themselves, as well as pro-suicide hotlines for people wanting to end their lives. And the article goes on to state basically that if this is no longer reserved for people who are suffering um, in terms of being terminally ill and suffering great pain and daily struggles. No, this is now being used for people who face the result of our progressive liberal government's policies that are causing record inflation. They are now um, seeking out MAID because of the looming threat of poverty and homelessness. It's absolutely absurd and disgusting. And it's just, in my opinion, a way to, you know, get rid of of people who, you know, need a little bit extra support or again need to denounce what this government has done to this country and focus instead on fixing all of the broken parts and all the woes. No, we should just do away with them and and, and we're going to do that in a cost-effective way under the guise of medical assistance and suicide, which is, like I already mentioned, state-sanctioned euthanasia. You know, it's fascinating, uh, Tamara. I mentioned this to Sheila last year, but, you know, I, I, I hearken back to the movie Soylent Green that was uh, shot in 1973 based on a novel in 1965, but set in New York City in 2022, and how prescient that movie was in certain things that did come to fruition in 2022 and one of them is about suicide whereas uh, to deal with the uh, population problem that's the one thing uh, the movie got wrong big time in their estimates of how overpopulated the planet would be but not only is suicide legalized Tamara but your family the existing living memories um, stand to economically benefit by your decision uh, to check out. And it's a very elaborate process where you lie on a bed and they play classical music and they show you clips of the planet as it used to be before it was dying. And here we are in the real 2022, and that's the deal. Uh, the other thing, too, which the movie derives its title from, as you know, the... Um, uh, Klaus Schwab and the WEF, they're all big on food replacement. They really like the idea of bugs. Soylent Green refers to a food replacement. Um, in case anyone hasn't seen the film, I'm not going to be a spoiler here. It's not bugs. It's actually something worse than bugs. But again, food replacement, 
um, suicide being celebrated. Uh, these are such chilling trends uh, that was only, um, you know, predicted as science fiction fantasy in 1973. Here it is in uh, the early 2020s, and it's coming true. Hmm, makes you wonder about predictive programming and how accurate that conspiracy theory and if it's actually a theory <laughs> may be. Um, one other thing that I wanted to point out in this article too, and you mentioned it, you know, in the opening, David, is, you know, the Hippocratic Oath, first do no harm. And here we have a doctor saying, quote, and I quote, literally, it's the most rewarding work we've ever done. Oof. So killing people who were otherwise deemed, in one instance in this article, there was a person who was deemed by another doctor um, incapable of making proper informed consent and informed decisions about his own personal health, is what it says. Um, and he just went over to this doctor, um, I guess it's Ellen, Ellen Weeb, who works with Dying with Dignity Canada. I didn't even know that that was a thing. And she signed off on his request and euthanized him. Um, and, and, and is then turning around and saying that this is the most rewarding work that she's ever done. I mean, what a sad life you would have led as a doctor that the most rewarding work you've done is euthanized. So essentially it killed people, really. Let's call a spade a spade here. The most rewarding work you've done is killed people, not helped them you know, access resources or get out of their mental dismay or get out of poverty mm. or advocate for a change in policy and against this woke progressive ridiculousness plaguing our nation, which is what I argue is causing the fallout of uh, things like poverty and homelessness. No, no, instead, the most rewarding stuff you could do is offer to kill them. Yeah, who's applauding that exactly, Tamara? Is it the fictional uh, Dr. Hannibal the Cannibal Lecter? Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, because that's the, the crux of the matter. Didn't we used to call people that did this, oh, I don't know, what's the word again? Yes, serial killers. Uh, and now this is something to brag about. And I think the very worst example that we saw last year, Tamara, is when we had a soldier, a veteran, call into Veterans Affairs, with mm -hmm. a problem and the first go-to response was have you considered killing yourself i mean can you imagine and i have to wonder what is the unspoken strategy here you talked about justin trudeau's infamous stupid quote the budget will bounce <laughs> itself and please anybody please try to explain what that means but maybe part of the explanation was this let's reduce the state of its financial burden uh, by people who need uh, psychiatric sessions, by people who need medical treatment. If they just die, uh, that means it's zero dollars, zero cents. Maybe that's part of the budget balancing itself procedure, Tamara? Uh, it's so gross to think about and um, um, what, what the word morbid, it's so morbid to yeah. even consider that this is an intentional way to, um, for lack of a better word, skim the fat, uh, trim the fat. Yeah. And it's, it's absolutely grotesque and disgusting to think that the government would be acting in such a way. But yeah, the way that they've handled the last two plus years, um, it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility, given the way that they conduct themselves these days and, and the ridiculous 
topics that they prioritize yep. um, over real on the ground issues. Follow the money, my um, friend. That's right. Follow the money. We have one, um, a couple actually, um, super chats. Oh. There's one. So we'll just read those quickly and then we'll get to our last topic. Um, which is think of the children and we have an update on the beat you'd been following with Busty Lemieux as you coined him, her, so, so nicely. I love that term though, Bust, they, Busty them. Lemieux. So, sounds like a, a vaudeville performer from yesterday's century. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we just have a couple super chats and, and please keep them coming while we, while we chat here. So Twinks uh, gives $5, thank you very much. Hi guys, happy new year and likewise happy new year to you and all of our Rebel viewers. Glad to see you back, but have trouble with the new time slot. I know you need to take a uh, lunch, but anyone working can no longer watch live. Please consider going back to the noon show. Thank you. I, we appreciate that uh, feedback, but I know that, that we're also reaching coast to coast. And so some of the time, different time zones, this was pretty early for people in BC and Alberta and and got kind of late for people in the eastern provinces so we're just kind of feeling out this new time slot and i think we've solidified on one to two but um with more feedback you know that could be open to change as well well tamara i have an idea um as we can't automatically switch back to the new <clears throat> slot here may i suggest that twinks moves to manitoba and therefore you <laughs> will see us at 12 noon how do you think well, what a great idea i'm going to give myself a barry horowitz pat on the back for solving the first problem of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a thing Justin Trudeau would recommend. Just move. If you don't like it, just go somewhere else. Just just move away then. If you don't like being in Canada under my rule, you can just move. Who won't want to live um, in Manitoba? I heard it's beautiful there in the yeah, summertime. I don't know. Depending on how their taxes are, it may be lucrative. Um, Fraser McBurney gives $5. Thank you, Fraser. The next time you get to ask Trudeau a question, ask him to produce the science he's always talking about. Yeah. Huh. You know, Justin Trudeau would probably be like, let me be clear and then not be clear at all yep. um, if you ever asked him about the science. But it's just the science TM, right? They like to flout this, this, I think it's a marketing slogan, really. Like, oh, we're following the science. And Anthony Fauci is the science. And if you question the science, you're somehow inciting violence and harm. And you must be squashed and your license must be revoked and you'll be charged and thrown in jail. Um, that's Justin Trudeau and his science. Yeah, and Tamara, isn't that perversely ironic when you speak of violence and harm? Because you know, Fraser, when I try to ask Justin Trudeau a question from a sidewalk, I either get threatened with arrest or his Royal Canadian mounted henchmen actually do manhandle me, bouncing my head off a fence. So yeah, I'd love to get an answer for you, but it's uh, a process fraught with danger. Not that I'm going to skirt it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm going to keep after it <laughs> because what else would I be doing? <laughs> There's some actual harm and violence yes. coming your way from the Justin Trudeau <laughs> liberals, not the other way around. Um, Meminka, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, gives $5. Thank you very much. Medical assistance in dying. This term is designed to sound almost virtuous. What happened to good old compassionate care? very appalling yeah exactly it's it's flowery language right used by the progressives it's all where we're going to make it sound good but really we're just suiciding you for you uh, so you don't have to think about how you're going to do it we'll do it for you 
Oh, and, and Tamara, here's the big issue I have. I mean, it's like we got to look at this on a case by case basis. If you're at the end of your life and every living day you're in agony, that's one thing. But what about a teenager who just, mm-hmm. you know, broke up with his girlfriend or a girlfriend that broke up with his boyfriend and they're distraught? They think it's the end of the world. They're in a really low place. This is when you have to say, no, this is not the end of the world. Hang on move forward, but to counsel a person like that, who is perfectly healthy, well, you know what, I see what you're saying, yeah, it is the end of the world, uh, how do you wanna go? Uh, that is despicable. Yeah, and I have to be a bit careful here what I'm about to say because we're still on YouTube, but um, if you catch my drift, there's a gentleman who runs, his, name's Ma- is, his name is Max, he runs CARES, uh, Canadian Adverse Events Reporting System, And I was speaking to him and he alerted me to the fact that there are an abundance of Canadians who are seeking medical assistance and dying, Canadians that have submitted to his adverse events reporting system. So they're suffering very debilitating reactions to the novel things that we've been administered over the last two plus years. And they are now being gaslit, disregarded by the medical establishment in such a way that that it's forcing them to seek maid um and there's been a, a few cases he has a wow. handful of people already who have sought out and successfully uh sought maid and are no longer with us to share their stories um so he has undertaken this kind of data collection of canadians who are suffering in that way and he's he's very concerned and is alarmed that many of them have now are now seeking out made because they can't just can't live with the debilitating reactions that they're suffering um so i plan to do a story on that but just a tidbit if anyone wants to look into cares uh you you should be able to find some of his publicly shared posts on the topic um Okay, Twinks gives another $5, thank you. Google Deaf Pods Euthanasia and you will be astounded at the number of Soylent Green type apparatuses available. (laughs) There you go, David, maybe the next report for you. Okay, then. How science fiction has now become science fact. (laughs) That's right. Um, Not at all predictive programming. $5 again from Twinks, thank you very much. Dr. Uh, Kevorkian actually had empathy for those in terminal pain. Made is following Schwab's plan to get rid of the useless eaters. Criminal. Yeah, and I think Schwab's just a puppet for those bankers. Um, and like David already said, follow the money, right? Yeah. And by the way, uh, uh, not that close Schwab uh, ever leads by example, eh, Tamara? Uh, whether it's giving up his stretch limo for a bicycle, whether it's giving up his T-bone steak for a, you know, a plateful of crickets. And I don't think uh, Claude Schwab, uh, given how high on the hog he's living, he ain't hopping into one of those suicide pods anytime soon. <laughs> you know, no way, right? So again, no, well, another example, do as I say, not as I do. And he's not suffering at the hands of poverty or inflation or homelessness. No. So why would he seek out made? That's primarily, and as that article alluded to, the people who are seeking it out is people who are facing eviction, have nowhere to live, can't yeah. afford to eat anymore. So yeah, what's left at that point? Um, it's really disgusting and, and devastating. Uh, GM Melinda G60 gives $5. Thank you. Love from Texas. Well, likewise, oh, thank uh, thanks you. for watching us here in Canada. Now, we just have a few minutes left, David, to talk quickly 
I know we could spend hours on the topic of Bastille Lemieux, but uh, did you want to take it away with Warmington's latest on yes. the developments there? Oh, indeed. We could go uh, tit for tat until the cows co come home when it comes to uh, Bastille Lemieux, uh, Tamara. But, cows um, and milkers. That's a funny <laughs> thought for Bastille Lemieux. <laughs> It just it just lends itself to so many puns, but uh, we better not digress. <laughs> no, the this is very interesting. Joe Warmington, front page of the Toronto Sun today, give a plug to uh, our friend uh, the Scrawler, uh, proving that not everybody in the mainstream media is uh, despicable. Joe Warmington is one of the best human beings I know, and he had a great story where he found out that there was a resolution that was uh, passed by the Halton District School Board. That's where this teacher is employed. And it says this, quote, be it resolved that the Director of Education, Curtis Innes, develop a professionalism policy which outlines the HDSB's expectations of all staff members, including the requirement to maintain appropriate and professional standards of dress and decorum in the classroom, end quote. Well, isn't that something? Now, there's two points here, Tamara. They already had uh, some sort of investigation and the recommendation uh, by their employee who was um, the head of it was that uh, they could countervene human rights um, code uh, by by enforcing a dress code, which to mm -hmm. me is absolutely nonsensical and ludicrous. They have a dress code for the students, for the minors yeah. who go to the Halton District School Board schools. So how can a dress code for adults be contrary to human rights legislation, yet a dress code for children is not. Furthermore, in October, this idiotic board, they did bring in a dress code, oh, for Halloween, <laughs> including the fact that if you're a, a girl, you are forbidden to dress as a boy, and a boy is forbidden to dress as a girl. On this one day, October 31st, Tamara, where pretty much anything goes, right? Um, so you can have a dress, so think about this. On that one day, Halloween, it is somehow transphobic for a boy to pretend he's a girl and vice versa. But you can have this shop teacher dress as a grotesque caricature of a woman 365 days a year. Again, it doesn't make sense. But here is the rub, Tamara. Um, Joe ends his story with a, with, um, a quote from uh, Curtis Innes, oh, I forgot to give his gender pronouns, he, him. Um, <laughs> and this is what he says, quote, the HDSB's commitment to human rights remains rooted in our core values and commitment to each and every student and staff who identifies as a member of an underserved and underrepresented group. And our approach is informed by opinions from leading employment law firms and human rights and equity advisors, this commitment and approach will continue to be applied as the HDSB looks to fulfill this motion, end quote. So Tamara, this guy, the director of education, 
He's throwing the entire uh, bunch of uh, trustees and other school board members under the bus. He's talking about, um, you know, showing empathy for someone who is allegedly transgender, because as we've stated uh, before on this show, I don't believe he is. I think if you were doing a genuine male to female transition, the last thing you are doing is trying to stand, you know, stand out as a grotesque caricature of a woman, like a drag queen mm -hmm. performer. I bet you, Tamara, we've been in, you know, office buildings, malls, arenas, where there's been a trans individual, and we had no idea that that person used to be the opposite sex. And that is, I think, the goal, is to blend in with the <laughs> other sex. That's not happening here. So it's one of two things. It is, he is punking the board, he is anti-woke, and he's taking the piss out of, the, out of them, which in certain respects, he's a hero, or option two, and this is what I believe is going on, he is a sexual pervert. He is someone who suffers mm -hmm. from autogenophilia, which is, you know, in that community of men going to um, female, um, not all of them, but a large percentage actually get sexually aroused by the clothing of women, by the props of women, i.e. Those, those fake breasts that Lemieux wears. And here's the thing, for this school board not to investigate this, Tamara, yeah. you know, based on the presumption they might be perceived <clears throat> as transphobic, this is a grotesque, grotesque lack of due diligence, especially given that this guy is in front of minors every day. It is absolutely disgraceful. And by the way, when Garth Innes talks about employment, uh, leading employment law firms, I can tell you Howard Levitt, one of the top labor lawyers in Canada, uh, I think back in November, penned a piece in the National Post where he called out the H HDSB. He said it is absolutely false that you cannot have a dress code for staff even in a unionized environment, Tamara. So what's going on here? What do you think is going on here? Well, I think it lends to your second point is mm. that there is some very strange uh, fetish, really voyeuristic fetish happening with this individual. And you have a board that is so afraid to be transphobic that they are not protecting what's in the best interest of the children and the minors attending the schools, but rather this freaky, fetished out impersonator and yeah. um and and again and it lends into some of the reports i've been doing recently on this gender identity and these identity politics and why the opinions of a board should supersede that of the parents you know these are this is a this is a public institution that we are forced to pay into with our hard-earned yep. tax dollars and it should work for the public that pays it not because not, not in um, contrast to the senior teams that are in in charge of these ridiculous policies and procedures when it's harming and facilitating conversations and, um, and infiltrations into the lives of innocent children who have no idea about the sexualized nature of all of this stuff. It's, it's, it's grotesque, 
And I think that more parents need to be aware that this is happening and start to actually make their opposition and their voices heard. Because for whatever reason, boards think that they have all the power to institute what they think is best onto your children, largely unbeknownst to you, unless it receives international media attention, as has been the case with Busty Lemieux, and, and really points out all of the holes and the gaps in how these schools are conducting themselves and being run. Um, it's been going on for far too long. It obviously needs to be scrutinized and parents really need to get back into the driver's seat on the education front with their children. Otherwise, this is just going to continue out of hand as it's been. And you know what, Tamara, on that point, uh, there has been a group of parents, uh, most of whom have children going to Oakville Trafalgar High School, um, <clears throat> who have formed an organization they've retained a lawyer the lawyer um, late last month sent the school board a letter Um, basically it's a letter of intent to sue unless you get your house in order and they will go through with the lawsuit because it looks like with this garth innes he him uh cat uh the only thing that's going there's the name of the organization by the way um students first ontario you can go to their website they've been archiving a lot of um uh, media stories about what's going on but they mean business and they are out there reminding this school board what you just said you are our servants you don't You know, you can't even ask questions about this issue at a school board meeting. And as a matter of fact, as you know, Tamara, I went uh, dressed as a carbon copy of Busty Lemieux back in October. And um, what happened? Well, I kid you not, folks, the entire board fled. They fled the room. So they, oh, Tamara, they're so down with radical transgenderism, man, when it's in front of minors in a classroom scenario. But when it comes into their headquarters and asks impolite questions, oh, 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 no, 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 no. That's a little too much radical transgenderism for us. What shameful hypocrites. And in light of that, I received a letter that said, I am now banned for life (laughs) from the Alton District School Board headquarters, all of their properties and all of their schools. I don't even think that's legal. I think our plan is to challenge that. But I'm banned for life because I dressed just like the shop teacher and I dared to ask an impolite question or two, whereas this shop teacher um, can... uh, by the way, forget about the Ministry of Education. Where's the Ministry of Labor? He breaks every mm-hmm. shop etiquette rule in the book, Tamara. And I understand yeah. from my sources, his classes are a joke. Half the kids sometimes don't even attend. The ones that are there um, just you know, do their own thing. We have a photo uh, that we uh, showed in one of our videos last month. And it was a kid vaping in class right next to Busty Lemieux, who's just staring off into the distance, uh, I guess, um, contemplating um, what ensemble he's going to wear for uh, tomorrow's class. It is a disgrace. It is so mm-hmm. sad. It, well, it's equal part sad and infuriating that the Halton District School Board seems to be so committed to wokeness, Tamara, that they don't even care anymore that they are a laughing stock the world over. And it just further points out the hypocrisy and absurdity 
when someone like you who's um, in their face showing how absurd and grotesque it is, is banned from <laughs> from <laughs> from showing showcasing the absurdity in the future again. Um, yeah. This is what a sad state of affairs with our socialized med- uh, medical system, but also but the, the socialized education system. Um, all of these socialized systems are currently in shambles and crumbling. And we're still forced to pay into them. And we were just watching a little clip. That was me at, at the board and the uh, not to member. be confused. Yeah. <laughs> with <laughs> oh, and herself. funny you should say that, Tamara. <laughs> well, you know, I was reading some of the. Uh, uh, <laughs> there I am. Wow. Uh, and I think that's the same size uh, he has, Busty Lemieux. Uh, they were the biggest ones I could find on eBay. <laughs> and, and by the way, I have such incredible respect for uh, womankind. I mean, I had a backache when I got home that day. I can't imagine wearing those things uh, on a daily basis. Um, but uh, to your point, uh, I was looking at some of the comments that came in mm-hmm. and uh, it, it got a, a great response. And there were people going, you know, how dare you uh, call out the school board? They're trying to accommodate you uh, in your class, and yet you want more. And then the next comment would be, um, that's not the shop teacher. That's the reporter, <laughs> Menzies. He's mocking them. Right? So. Can you tell us, David, how much did those uh, prosthetics cost you? 500 bucks or 250 wow. per boob. <laughs> <laughs> By the and way, I think I, need- I think Ezra wants me to retire that shtick. So if anyone wants to put in an offer, uh, all all reasonable offers considered. <laughs> but by the and way, Busty folks, Lemieux gets first dibs. Well, I'll tell you one thing. If you do don something like that, Tamara, and I'm speaking, of course, from experience, please, please, please get baby powder and uh, coat your body with that. Because what I found out the hard way is when you sweat, they adhese to you and i was in a bit of a panic trying to get them off the first time i wore them because i thought oh my god it's like something out of david cronenberg's movie the fly right that you know are oh, these things ladies and gentlemen permanently? <laughs> so, you heard it here first any yep. tips that you need when you're transitioning and wearing prosthetics <laughs> you can come right to david menzies he has all the tips and tricks for hey. you and your Costumes. You know what? That might be the best idea of the new year, Tamara. Transitioning tips <laughs> with the men's on. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> okay. Why don't, why don't you go the other way? Why don't you transition to male and you can give your uh, tips too? Yeah, you know, I would love to see the face of my children if I were ever to come home. <laughs> and they're like, it kind of looks like mom, but now I have to call her dad. And what's going on here? These poor kids are just so confused. And well, that's that's Tamara, really the mainstream the media would uh, would laud you as a mother or would it be father of the year if you did so? That That's how crazy the world is these days. <laughs> yeah, and at least then if I had any more babies, I could be referred to as a chest feeder. Isn't that just... <laughs> What a lovely um, motherly term that is. It just sounds so comforting and secure to just be denounced as a chest feeder. Anyway, I believe we're 11 minutes over. Yes. You know, and and isn't there indeed, uh, is it George Brown, their their nursing uh, college? They're saying um, it's not pregnant women anymore. It's pregnant people. And it's not breastfeeding. It's chest feeding. And this is the nursing discipline. 
Are you kidding me? There's also um, the Lalesh League. One of their, it's like a, a breastfeeding um, tips and, and help line for women. And uh, they've gone super woke, actually. I, I forget what her name is, but one of their main leaders over the last 15 years just published a really well-written Substack article on why she was resigning from the Lalesh League. And it's because that they can no longer refer to women um, as, you know, or, or refer to nursing women as breastfeeding they have to refer to everything as chest feeding and actually you know it wasn't very long ago i had my last son in march of 2021 and at that time my midwife um alerted me to the fact that they were no longer supposed to use the term breastfeeding they were supposed to refer to me as like a, a chest feeder and i told her absolutely not um i'm a woman only women with breasts and milk ducts can breastfeed and you'll call me by what is appropriate and biologically based and that is a breastfeeding woman. Um, only uterus owners, women can bear children and give birth and it was just absolutely absurd. So I have bear, bore witness to this firsthand still in that sort of realm of, of birth and labor and delivery. It's absolutely absurd. And the language that some of these people use now is just, it's unbelievable as it, a woman, even trying to seek out support, like you're denounced to a chest feeder. It's so dehumanizing and unmotherly and un uncomforting. Um, I don't know what it will take to get this pendulum to sway back. Well, indeed, let's call it for what it is. We are collectively as a society, we are bending the knee to those who are mentally ill. Uh, talk about the tail wagging the dog, Tamara. How, what is the percentage of biological males who are somehow breastfeeding children? What fraction of a percent of a percent of a percent? I mean, maybe there's some kind of, yeah. you know, Frankenstein <clears throat> monster out there that is capable of doing that. And for that lunatic fringe, now there's a lunatic fringe for you, the real one. We have to change the language of normalcy to be inclusive to that i mean that's outrageous of an actual fringe minority yeah right and I, society must acquiesce to an actual fringe minority and i'm going to have a report out on that um hopefully tomorrow or the next day that references a study done by the Public Health Agency of Canada. And spoiler, spoiler alert, they found people who identified as other, so not male, not female, um, was statistically insignificant. So stay tuned for that. Really, because last time the uh, Stats Canada survey came out and they were asking me what other languages I speak, I said Klingon. <laughs> and so I think I'm in that other file. How dare they call me insignificant? <laughs> I don't know what I just right, said. Well I, hope it was, I hope for Aaron O'Toole's sake that wasn't something profanity-laced in the Klingon language. <laughs> And as you can see, folks, we're going 15 minutes over now. Menzies is getting a little too excited. We have to rein him back in. And uh, you can check out more Menzies here, same time, same place, tomorrow. Um, so, oh, wait, no, you won't be on yeah, tomorrow, and, will you, And by David? the way, um, anyone in the greater Toronto area, for tomorrow at 12 noon at 110 Eglinton Avenue West, that's 110 Eglinton Avenue West, so basically just uh, a little west of the subway line, Young and Eglinton, 
outside the College of Ontario Psychologists, there's going to be what I understand to be a massive pro-Jordan Peterson demonstration. Uh, if you can um, squander a couple of hours tomorrow afternoon, we'll be there. Rebel News to cover it, of course. Uh, so that's 110 Eglinton Avenue West tomorrow in Toronto at 12 noon. Hope to see you there. Well, I guess, Tamara, that wraps up everything we had to say, as you're, you are correct. Uh, we're <laughs> 15 minutes over time. If we were a federal government bureaucrat, we'd uh, probably need uh, the use of the quiet room right now. Um, but I want to thank everyone for tuning in. A special thank you to all those who uh, gave us some do-re-mi. It's how we uh, keep the lights on here. Um, somebody else will be in this chair tomorrow. I'll be covering the Jordan Peterson uh, rally tomorrow. So in the meantime, as always, Stay safe and stay sane. <laughs>